Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, James Baston, coming to you from our virtual studios somewhere in Alaska. Thanks for joining me. Hey, this is the Friday edition, and I get to wrap up the week and talk about the major news stories that are taking place in Alaska. This is how we get the news out, and we don't have to use the mainstream media with with this broadcast. So hopefully you're watching us on Facebook live on the Must Read Alaska website, or you can download the podcast on Apple, iTunes, the Google Play Store. We're all over the place. You can find this podcast. Thank you for your support. We do want to thank our, our main supporter for this podcast, and that is the Charlie Pierce for Governor campaign. Again, we want to thank Charlie Pierce for Governor for supporting this podcast. That's what makes it happen. That is how we can get our message out without having to use the mainstream media and their bias. So again, step back and enjoy. We've got a, a, a great group of topics here we're going to discuss. So let's get this party started. Number one topic being discussed in Alaska is the size of the Alaska Permanent Fund dividend and what just took place here recently down in Juneau. Aren't we lucky that this is an election year? Because now the boxing gloves have been taken off and the Senate just threw a punch back to the House with a $5,500 permanent fund dividend for every Alaskan. That was adopted by the Senate in a 15 to 5 vote to see if we can get a $5,500 dividend. That is, that is going back and following the law of a statutory PFD plus uh, an, another addition to that for heating for a special uh, cash payout also uh, for, for heating for this year. Going to be interesting to see what the, the House does because if you remember last month in their budget, they proposed $2,600, which was a smaller dividend as well as the, the dividend for your heating fuel. So we're going to see what takes place here. What is conservative? What is not conservative? What is more important to fund government or not fund government? So if you are putting a dividend into Alaskans, isn't that putting money back into the private sector, which means that you are not in support of bigger government, even though this budget is absolutely being blown out of the water. So no matter what you get in your PFD, the budget is going to be larger than it ever has when it comes to funding this year, because again, of oil and gas and the amount of money that they have to spend. So this is going to be interesting to watch. Um, we'll see here. They're probably going to have a couple late nights before they actually decide on what takes place on, you know, a lot of people are hoping that the house will just concur with what the Senate has proposed. And that way it would move forward to the governor in, in the form that it's at. I'm not sure that that, that will take place. We'll see here in the next hours of this week to see how this thing ends up. Very interesting for most Alaskans. So we'll stand by and watch the permanent fund and how that plays out. 
wow, you are so lucky that this is an election year. Vote, vote, vote. It's time to vote. We have a special election coming up here on June 11th to to actually select one of 48 members to temporarily fill our Congress seat that was vacated with the passing of Congressman Don Young. And lots of confusion taking place. We were hearing and watching all the craziness that that are, are taking place because this is a complete mail-in ballot election that the state is putting on. And the voter rolls, you can tell, have not been looked at properly. We think they're using the PFD rolls to, to select who is getting a ballot. So multiple people, multiple ballots are, are ending up in people's homes and in their mailboxes. If you go to the post office and you look in the trash, you see ballots all over the place. This is a mess. So who is responsible for this? Our Lieutenant governor and the leadership of our governor who basically has been silent on this issue. I think both of them are to blame in what is taking place here. This is absolutely going to be a mess and we need to make sure this never happens again. Having an election to where somebody requests a mail-in ballot is one thing, but to send out ballots to everybody, whether you still live in this state or not, I'll use an example here in my household, I've got three people who can vote. We receive four ballots and you see that everywhere. So you want to go watch a movie, go watch a movie about 2000 mules and see why, why it's important to people to, who, who support mail-in ballots is because they want to harvest all these additional ballots and vote the way they want to with their typical liberal liberal candidates. And this is why mail-in ballot works to their advantage because they're not going to follow the laws. They don't care. And think about it. When you send your ballot back in, nobody's going to second guess it. As long as there's a signature on it, they don't care what signature. You could write Mickey Mouse on there. They're not going to be looking that your signature is authentic. The second person that you have to get to to sign your ballot, they're not going to verify those signatures. So again, it's easy to manipulate. And that's why people lose faith in our voting system when we go away from a surefire way that we have always voted to where you showed up at the election booth, you showed your ID, you signed in, you were verified, and you got your ballot and went in your ballot booth, closed the curtain, and filled in the, for the candidate that you wanted to elect. So we have to get back to that. Hopefully the next governor who gets elected will get back to that. I know that there's a governor who supports this podcast who stated that election integrity is his number one priority for his administration and for his lieutenant government. So I hope you look at those candidates when it comes time for that, because this is a mess. This should never happen. And it needs to get corrected sooner than later. We have two or three more important elections that are going to take place this year. We should never be doing a mail-in only type of election again. This needs to stop. So today I want to go back to our mandate freedom section of the podcast that I discuss. Typically articles that I see out there that are, are either helping or not helping when it comes to the, the COVID issue. And one of those issues uh, that I that I saw an article on was, was dealing with the Daily Wire. And uh, the Daily Wire has out that Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, he's leading a group of Republican senators 
that are defending the military service members from punishment over COVID-19 vaccine refusals. And I think that uh, this is something that has been badly needed. Um, we have lost a lot of service members who have left service over uh, the mandate of having to receive their COVID vaccination. And I'm going to read you a couple of different uh, items here. One specifically on what this, what this new act coming out of the federal government is called. It's called the Allowing Military Exemptions, Recognizing Individual Concerns About New Shots. It's the Americans Act of 2022 is what it's being designated as, and it counters the president and the Biden administration's effort to coerce and punish our armed, for, armed forces personnel, including accountability measures to increase transparency. So again, we've got a lot of military members who back in the day, they would be exempt from, from things because of their religious concerns. And today in the military, that no longer exists. This legislation would help that. It would help maybe bring back some of the members who have been discharged. Now, if you remember back whenever, whenever the Congress actually passed measures that included the military having to be mandated to take the vaccine, we had about 3,400 troops who were involuntary, involuntarily separated at that time because they refused to take the vaccine. And that was, um, that was back from an article in Military Times. And of that group, about 70% received general discharges. And that designation allows them to re receive most of their veteran benefits. There was another 30 who received honorable discharges. And the only reason why that they were not receiving bad dis discharges for not following order was that Congress basically forbid the military leaders from issuing dishonorable discharge for vaccine refusal. So back in the day, you know, we had, um, we've got about 87% of our military members now that are partially vaccinated. And, and what's going to happen here in this state of Alaska, where it still really affects us, is our natural, our natural National Guard and our um, Alaska Air Guard, those members who fall under our governor, they have, they have not been pushed as hard to get, um, to get vaccines. They still have a deadline that is coming up in June to where if they have not been fully vaccinated, that they have to be discharged. And again, now here we are, what, two plus years into this. And we know that if you get your first vaccine and then you go get your second vaccine and then you get your third vaccine and then you get a booster, you still get COVID. And then you have the people who, who come up publicly and say, wow, I'm sure glad that I, I received my vaccine because I've now got COVID and I'm doing okay. Well, we know that basically natural immunity is the best way to, to fight this, not just the vaccine. The vaccine, if you voluntarily want to get it, that's fine. But again, forcing people to get the vaccine, I am adamantly against. And I hope that, uh, I hope that this passes. I hope it passes soon because we need to support our military members as best as we can. The state of Alaska percentage-wise, typically has per capita more military than any other state and veterans. And I think the majority of veterans would support what I'm saying. So good luck, Senator Cruz. I hope you can get this passed along with your Republican uh, senators. Thank you. Two big issues to discuss concerning our right to bear arms and the Second Amendment. 
Governor in California, Governor Newsom, just took a big defeat. It looks like the federal court just voted uh, out of the ninth circuit two to one in a ruling that basically states that California's under 21 gun sale is unconstitutional. A federal appeals court has ruled that California's ban on the sale of semi-automatic weapons to adults under the age of 21 is unconstitutional. Great win for those who love the Second Amendment, like myself, um, having it to where you can ban any type of weapon for people who are of legal age. And what we were typically looking at is a military-aged person or somebody who actually was in law enforcement even who was 18, 19, 20 years old, they were not able to, to go out and purchase a weapon to protect their families. That now has been struck down by the courts. Hard to believe that I'm rooting for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, but uh, they did call this one correctly. And then at the next level, if we want to move on to the Supreme Court and what's going to take place here behind closed doors, along with uh, uh, everything else that's going on that we'll talk about. But in this instance, we're going to be talking about the New York law to where it is, it is required for you to petition the government to carry a concealed weapon to protect your family in New York. And typically most of those get turned down. Um, that is going to be in front of the nine members of the Supreme Court. The justices will decide here in May, and it will come out sometime in July, whether their opinion is going to allow the New York law to continue. I would expect that just like the federal court in California, they are going to strike down New York's law and allow law-abiding law citizens of the state of New York to carry concealed so they can protect themselves. Just think recently, the last massacre that took place on a subway to where an individual got on the subway, set off a smoke bomb called chaos, called a, called a, a bunch of chaos, and then opened fire on the passengers of that train. And none of those people could legally carry a concealed weapon to help protect themselves. So hopefully the Supreme court will rule on this and put the state of New York open back up. So the citizens, can use their second amendment right to pr protect themselves, not just within their homes, but outside their homes also. Because right now, if you're rich or you're a politician, that's typically the only way that you get protected outside your home is because you can hire people to protect you. Whereas the normal, the normal person does not have that ability. So hopefully here soon, New Yorkers will not have to petition the government to carry concealed. We won't hear this. Uh, it'll, it's going to take place here in May to where the, the, the Supreme Court will hear it. So sometime in July, this ruling will also come out. Looking forward to that one. So, of course, still the big topic at the federal level is the Supreme Court leak that took place with the, with the upcoming release of what's going to happen with Roe versus Wade and whether it's going to be overturned or not. But one of the big issues right now that I see is the actual protesting that's taking place outside of the justices' private homes. Is this legal or is this illegal? And should something be done about it? Of course, the problem is, is that 
when you're trying, when you're outside the justice's house, what you are doing is you are breaking the law. The, the, the difference here is you're trying to, to, you're trying to coerce someone who is going to make a decision or a ruling in a court and you're trying to influence that judge by your demonstration. So a picket or a parade near the residence should not be allowed. And if you're in Washington, DC, either federal law enforcement or local law enforcement should not allow this. This is not what is supposed to take place. And I've heard people talk about, well, a politician, if you're a politician, this may be allowed and they can be outside in the public area. Again, a completely different thing. Also, if you want to, if you want to protest in front of the Supreme Court all day long, go out there and shout whether you agree or disagree with the ruling. But to actually go to one of the nine Supreme Court justices' house with the intent to try to influence the outcome of any case they're hearing, absolutely wrong. And you can tell by the silence of the Democratic side of the Senate and the House all the way up to the president. They know that it's wrong, and every one of them is being silent on it. They do not want to do anything about it because it's politics for them. It's not about law, and it's never about law when it comes to their side of it. So again, I think this is wrong, and I hopefully here soon they will fix this and get those people away from the justices' home. You cannot intimidate them, no matter whether you agree or disagree with anything they're hearing in court. Have you noticed what's going on with free speech and school boards throughout the country? Have you ever been to a school board meeting and been told to shut up? They don't want to hear or they don't care what you have to say as a parent. Well, it looks like throughout the country, a lot of that has taken place. And just recently, it looks like free speech is going to win because they have to listen to what parents have to say, whether they agree with it or not. And we get to tell the government, which these school board members are part of, that we specifically disagree with each one of you and what you're doing to our kids' education. Uh, so just recently in Ohio, uh, a mother who was, uh, she was at the podium basically telling the school board what she thought, she was told to zip it and shut up and her mic was shut off by the presiding officer. And her name was Miss Ryder. And this was in the Big Walnut local school district. And the Ohio federal court basically came back and stated that her First Amendment rights were violated. The presiding officer at the school board meeting interrupted and was warning and terminated her. And basically any public statements that she wants to make should be allowed and they have to listen to it. She gets to go on the record and state what it is that she wants to say. Just because you're a school board member you do not have to hear it. And that's the problem with today's system of education. They want to shut down free speech. You go to universities and you get somebody invited in who's not liberal, but more conservative. What happens? A group of kids will show up and shout them down to shut them down because they can't debate them. So since they can't debate what their ideals are about, they have to shut them down and use threats and intimidation. School board is no different. So what we're saying now and what you're seeing the courts are telling parents, you do get a chance to show up. You, get, you do get to tell school boards what you think 
and you can actually be specific and tell each member, I don't like what you're doing and they can no longer shut you down. So I agree with that. Just recently here, here I'm looking at another article that a Texas dad was arrested for getting vocal at a school board meeting. The same thing took place there. I expect Texas will immediately probably send this to the court and it will get overturned to where, to where if you're at the Texas school board. So just get ready. If you're a school board member, you're going to have parents show up and whether they are fighting you against critical race theory or they are fighting, fighting because of the type of sexual education that you're teaching to our kids, you're going to have to listen. And here locally in my own community, I have been on the radio numerous times talking about the importance of the school board. It is the number one elected board. Most people ignore it. And that has changed to where now people are getting involved. They typically control the most funding in our budgets. They control what our kids are being educated. And parents, you need to get involved at the local level at every one of these school board meetings. Make sure you're showing up and make sure you're being heard. And more importantly, you have to make sure you're going to the ballot box and picking the right people that are going to be on these school board um, on these school boards because it is important to our children's education and they are just indoctrinating our kids and they have they have had free reign for too long it is time that we get involved as responsible parents and make things right again so i like what i'm seeing here free speech should take place anytime you're at a government event to where you get to say your your peace they don't get to shut you down it looks like our favorite president Joe Biden and his administration, or should I say, let's go, Brandon, and his administration is attacking Alaska again. I'm looking at the Must Read Alaska website, and if you haven't been there recently, this is the place to go to get your biggest source of accurate news. Suzanne Downing does a great job. This is where you're going to find great articles that you're not going to see in the mainstream media. It looks like a, a leaked email from the Biden administration uh, states that they're going to cancel the natural gas, oil and gas leases in the Cook Inlet. Very important to those of us who live in Alaska. Uh, for, for myself, who, who has lived down here on the Kenai Peninsula, and I see the importance of, of natural gas and oil to this state. Most people, do you realize, do you, in Alaska, do you realize how important natural gas is to most of us in the populated area, specifically on the Kenai Peninsula, the Matsu and Anchorage and the Cook Inlet and what natural gas brings to the generation of electricity in this area. And for him to cancel these contracts, what that will mean over time is that we're gonna to have to find other ways, most, most, most likely other ways to import resources into this state to support our infrastructure and to support heating Alaskans. Natural gas, which comes out of the Cook Inlet, goes over to Chugiak Electric, which is the Beluga power plant. And that power plant typically produces at least half of the electricity for the population of Anchorage. Most people don't realize how important these leases are. And this is just another attack on this state from the Biden administration. Governor Dunleavy did make, did make a, a statement on Twitter about this, and he did state that the Biden administration has yet again targeted Alaska and provided their lack of commitment to oil and gas development in the United States. 
I wholeheartedly agree. Um, he needs to put as much pressure as he can. Gas prices, here they are, still hitting new highs. And he wants to halt drilling for in over 1 million acres of the Cook Inlet. Absolutely does not make sense because, again, you think about it, doing it in America, oil and gas development, we will do it safely. We will do it the most environmentally friendly of anywhere in the world. So if we don't do it here, it's going to be done in other places, and it will be done in other places that the effects that you hate the most when it comes to, to development is going to take place overseas, most likely in the places that, that we are fighting right now to make sure that this country stays free. Oil and gas production, exploration needs to be one of the main priorities this is one of, the, one of the issues that is attacking us when it comes to inflation. You remember when the president came into office, what did he do? He pretty much shut down all development in, in oil and gas. And what happened? We're at about $111 a barrel of oil today. Shows you how absent this administration is and how far to the left they are to think that this is the policies that are going to save this country. Absolutely crazy out of their minds. I want to thank you for joining me on the Must Read Alaska show. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully, it's been entertaining and educational. Again, if you haven't been to the Must Read Alaska website, please join us. That's where you can go and donate and help support this show and all the content that takes place. That's how we keep the mainstream media on their toes. You get great content from Suzanne Downing, all the podcasts that John Quick works on. I get to follow up on Fridays and do this show and get to spout out about all the different topics that are taking place. And you can tell I get passionate sometimes about some of the things we're talking about. Hopefully you have fun listening to this. You can also download the podcast and listen, it, listen to it at your leisure on all the different types of um, websites, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google, you can go find it. iHeartRadio, it's out there. Please join us. We want to thank again our sponsor for the show, Charlie Pierce for Governor. Please join him at his website and support his campaign. Everybody, this has been a great show. Have a wonderful weekend. God bless everyone. If you live in Alaska, get outside and enjoy the weather. It is absolutely fantastic.